Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! going on guys welcome back to wrestle rant radio for thursday october 14 2021 i am graham gs matthews hope you guys are doing well and having a great week we have a supersized edition of wrestle rant radio ahead of supersized smackdown on friday night on fs1 8 p.m to 10 30 eastern time airing opposite of aw rampage and their buy-in it's going to be a big night for wrestling fans but in honor of smackdown having their supersized show on friday night we got the Universal Champion Roman Reigns returning to WrestleRant Radio here today to talk all about the blue brand, his recent rivalry with Brock Lesnar heading into Crown Jewel, his awesome theme song, whether that Golden Glove is Infinity War inspired or not, and so much more. It was another really cool conversation with Roman. I believe I ran the first one here on the show back in January, February, whenever it was. It was earlier this year, and I had so many more questions. He's so much more of a, even more of a top star now than he was even nine months ago. So it was an awesome time talking to Roman Reigns ahead of all things SmackDown on Friday night. And speaking of which, you can check out the article version of this interview tomorrow. Uh, I'm obviously, I'm speaking right now on Thursday, but the article version of this interview is going up tomorrow on Bleacher Report. Don't miss it for the highlights from this interview and also on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Graham G.S. and Matthews. Usually the interviews go up first on Bleach Report and on my YouTube channel before they hit here on the show, but because it's only tomorrow and we're hyping up SmackDown, I figured I would put this one out first in the article version and the audio on YouTube out later. So subscribe and never miss an article, interview when they go live every single whatever it is. We got another one going live next week on Bleach Report that you're not going to want to miss. We won't spoil it here, but it's another top star, familiar face from Friday Night SmackDown that you're not going to want to miss next week. I'll probably air the audio here on the show, um, as well as run the article, I believe, next Wednesday on Bleach Report, and as well, like I said, on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Graham G.S. and Matthews one last time. Uh, Speaking of the show next week, in addition to that additional interview that I just mentioned, we'll probably do a show after Crown Jewel next week. So I usually put up these episodes a little bit later on Thursdays anyway, but what I'm probably planning on doing with Mr. Marceau, time permitting, we're going to do a show post-Crown Jewel to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly from that pay-per-view. And with these Saudi shows, there tends to be a lot of ugly. So whether it's a great show, middle-of-the-road show, terrible show, we'll have a lot to say about it next week here on WrestleRant Radio for a very special post-pay-per-view edition. And that's the beauty of the pay-per-view airing earlier on in the day at noon. So we'll see if we'll be able to work that out. Again, time permitting. If you want to check out new episodes of the show, you can do so every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podbean, or Google Podcasts, rather, and Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode every single Thursday. So without further ado, let's throw it to my exclusive interview with the reigning, defending, undisputed Universal Champion, Roman Reigns. 
What's going on, guys? Graham G.S. and Matthews here with Bleach Report ahead of Super Size SmackDown this Friday, October 15th on FS1 this week, 8 p.m., 10.30 p.m., two and a half hours of blue brand action. Today, we're talking to the Tribal Chief, head of the table, face of Friday night's the Universal Champion himself, Roman Reigns. Roman, what's going on, man? Not too much, man. Just finished morning cardio, talking to you now, and then I'll carry on with the rest of my day. Fantastic. We're talking on Thursday, less than 24 hours out or just over 24 hours out from the supersized SmackDown on Friday. we got Crown Jewel next Thursday. Busy schedule for the Universal Champion right now. Uh, anything you're looking forward to the most about the show on Friday? we got Brock Lesnar coming back for the first time in a few weeks. Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks. Finn Balor, Sami Zayn. So many more matches coming up as well. Any one thing you're looking forward to on Friday night? Uh, I think just completing this process uh, of the build to get to crown jewel. Um, you know, it's one of those things, especially when you have like such a, such a strong opponent, like a Brock Lesnar, which really, I, you know, I don't know if there's another competitor or opponent that's ever going to be on that level of uh, legitimacy. Um, and, and certainly a, a huge threat to everything that I've done for the past year and a half. So I think just to, complete this process, take it home, and then get out there to Saudi Arabia and knock out Crown Jewel, um, retain, hear that, and still Universal Champion, and then jump on the jet and head back to Wichita to knock out another SmackDown. So to me, it's, you know, it's like a weekly process, and you get into that groove, and it's kind of just the next thing, what's the next thing? Completion becomes kind of a, uh, a, you know, a nice box to check, but at the same time, you know, us being back on the road, being in Ontario, right there in the LA area, uh, it should be an awesome time with great energy. Um, and where we are now, you know, going through a pandemic and, and just the uncertainty that we've all kind of faced as a society, I think we have to take, uh, you know, take advantage and, and enjoy the little things and, and the little parts of just being a human being and interacting. Um, obviously, staying safe, but uh, but yeah, man, just just enjoying the and having gratitude for. Uh, the normal, what used to be the normal things in life. Yeah, kind of going off them, man. I'm glad you brought that up because as someone who's been on the road with WWE for almost a decade now, being back on the road for just a couple of months since back in July, it's only been you know three months you guys have been back on the road. Was that something you and everyone else in the locker room kind of took for granted and having that, not just the the feedback from the audience, but being back on the road, being able to travel, go to Saudi Arabia, go to all these cool countries and cities and stuff like that and enjoying the little stuff. Is that something you're kind of appreciating more now than you would have, let's say, a year and a half ago or so? Well, I appreciate being in front of a live audience. I definitely, there's no question. It makes mm -hmm. everything better about what we do, um, all the way from just the energy to, uh, you know, the, the affirmation um, to, like, physically. It, it just doesn't hurt. It still sucks, you know, doing what we do in the ring uh, from, a, from, like, a pain, you know, standpoint and, and the physicality portions of it. But when you're in front of nobody, it feels terrible. Like when you're, when you're in the Thunderdome, everything hurts way more than it, than it, you know, should, uh, opposed to being in front of a live crowd who are just eating it up, who are chanting and, and creating this crazy environment, this crazy atmosphere. Um, and, and which ultimately I think enhances the experience for not only the performer, but the audience as well. So, um, but I don't miss travel, man. I don't miss being on planes. I don't miss, you know, being in the air. 
the Thunderdome was nice because it was in Orlando for a bit and then Tampa. So I would literally just get picked up on the bus, head up there, three and a half hour drive to both, uh, knock out my, you know, do my stuff and then get back on the bus and be back home that night. So, I mean, that, that process kind of like, uh, created a silver lining and also being home with my family and my children and my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's no replacing that, but yeah, I, I do not miss travel. Um, and then, you know, Saudi Arabia is really only place that I've left the country for. Uh, and that's just because it's such an isolated one off, you know, just in and out on a private jet for, you know, 16 hours, knock out the show back on the jet, 16 hours all by myself. So, Wow. Um, we, we go to extreme precautions to, to make it all, you know, safe for me and make me feel comfortable. That's awesome, man. And like you said before, too, I mean, there's no rest for the weary here because you guys are wrestling in Saudi Arabia. You're defending the Universal Championship there next Thursday and then literally the next day. And obviously the time difference and whatever, but you got smacked on on Friday night. So it's a crazy schedule right now. But you mentioned the match with Brock and we got that coming up next Thursday. He's going to be on SmackDown tomorrow night as we speak right now. Um, it's a match that I think when the run first started for you about a year ago, this was the match a lot of people were looking forward to. And all the matches you've had along the way have had big fight feel. Uh, this one's going to be no exception. But is this the match when you first link up with Paul Heyman on television, become universal champion, in the back of your mind when we get fans back, this is the match that you want to have? And obviously you and Brock are no strangers to one another, but as far as like the dynamic, it's different. It feels fresh again. Was this like the one match in the back of your head that you were really looking forward to having at some point when the time and place was right? Yeah, I, I mean, I knew we had to do a lot of things in order to uh, get to that point. There was a lot of, uh, you know, bricks that needed to be stacked up to, to get to a point where, A, I think he would have felt, you know, enticed to come back. I I don't know all that much about Brock, just like you don't, you know what I mean? That's the way he's played it, and I think it's a genius move, you know, not only just for himself and his mental health and his family and everything like that, but just keep himself out of the public eye. Mm-hmm. But it creates so much mystique behind him as a performer and a character, um, which is, is something that's, that's a lost, you know, uh, portion of what we do in our business. That's a lost piece of the art form. Um, but I, I knew, especially the tie-in with Paul, the history that we have, that we've had at such a high level, you know, a couple of different uh, WrestleMania main events, SummerSlams, um, things like that. The history is very, uh, very thick. Uh, I knew that, man, if, if I just keep doing what I'm doing, if I find this groove that I need to be in, and we just continue to do the work every single week. Uh, and kind of like Noah, you know, if you build it, they will come, man. And, and that's what we did. And now you're seeing like the fruits of the labor. I mean, before Brock came back, here comes Hollywood megastar John Cena. Everybody wants a piece of piece of what I'm doing now. If, if you're in professional wrestling, if you're in sports entertainment, and you want to have maximum eyeballs on you, if you want to be able to transcend and, and cut into that mainstream. And whether we're like, you know, pulling all those eyes, but there's a buzz around it. And even if they don't watch, they're hearing about it. They know who I am. They know, uh, you know, what what could possibly happen with, with these type of matchups. And when you bring guys like a John Cena, when you bring a guy like Brock Lesnar, who, I mean, might be one of the most, uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to throw him in that like GOAT category as, as actual MMA, you know, fighting and, and mixed martial arts. But mm-hmm. as far as from a draw standpoint and attention, eyebrow raising, you know what I mean? I don't know if there's anyone, you know, outside of maybe McGregor and, and Ronda 
and, and there's Brock. So there's like a special three when it comes to the, the fight game, and Brock's got a, a stronghold. People want to see see him get physical. He's just got that that allure. He's got that that demeanor around him, that bravado. So um, I knew if, if we could do what we did, and thank God it happened the way it did, and, and we were able to uh, you know accomplish all these things that we are, I knew everybody and their mother would be trying to get in the ring with me. And we're seeing that right now. I mean, box, uh, you know, Brock is a guy, like you just said, in the MMA world and even in WWE, a box office draw. And we're going to be seeing that at Crown Jewel. And we saw that with you and Cena, SummerSlam, massive stadium in Vegas. So we're continuing to see that with the Tribal Chief right now, which is awesome. And it's all transpiring on SmackDown, which is super cool. We're getting the supersized SmackDown on Friday night. You know, five years ago, as someone who's been in the company for a long time, you can probably, you know, attest to this, where all the big angles kind of seem to be transpiring on Raw. But in the last year or two, with you being on the blue brand, we're kind of seeing that stuff go to SmackDown on Fox, which is awesome. Uh, we just had the draft. You stayed on Friday nights as the Universal Champion. Was that a priority to you? Because obviously going over to Raw, you would have killed it over there as well. It doesn't really matter where you are. Um, but are you partial to the blue brand at this point? You've been over there for about a two, you know, two and a half years. It's the Roman Reigns show right now. Was that kind of a priority, kind of something that you were hoping to end up on SmackDown coming out of the draft most recently? Well, I don't think it was a hope. It was more of a demand, you know what I mean? What we're doing... Um... And the character falls very closely to, to real life with us and, and what we do. So, and I don't think Fox would have had it any other way. Um, they, they, as they all have, invested a lot of money, and and of course they they want to have the very best uh, representing their uh, you know their network. And and who better to do it for WWE than me? Um, but because I'm in the thick of it, because I put in all this work on the blue side um, for SmackDown. I, it would have just felt really weird to just be uprooted and, mm. and, you know, try to transition it to raw. And, and this is coming from a raw guy for a long time. Uh, SmackDown was considered the B show. And I, I think I, I was uh, carrying that three hour show quite a bit. I mean, the, I didn't just start doing multiple segments and, and owning 45 minutes to an hour of the show, you know, uh, when I came back at SummerSlam in 2020, I, I had been doing this for a long time. I mean, there there were times on Raw where I had three matches. Like, in, mm-hmm. in three hours, I did three matches. That was the story thread, you know what I mean? So there, there's been multiple multiple weeks uh, for, for many years now um, where, where I carried the show. Uh, but I, I just take, I put credit to, to what I've done in the past year and a half, year, year or so. Uh, it's been so you know, thorough and, and just on a different level that people can forget that. And, and, you know, we live in a fast food world where it's like, what have you done for me lately and how can I get it faster? Uh, so that that's built in as well. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I agree with you 100%. Whatever show I'm on, we're going to do our very best to make it the best. Uh, and I think that showed um, a few weeks ago when, when we came over uh, for raw, you know, we did a good number um, mm-hmm. for raw and, I think the show was a lot better and we were sprinkled all over that show. You know, the bloodline, Paul Heyman, uh, all, all the above. I think uh, our stories are so thorough and authentic um, and compelling and, and, and remain interesting that it's going to help any show uh, that we're on. So, you know, but obviously you gotta, you can't be spread too thin. Uh, you gotta, you gotta somehow manage that to where uh, enough is enough, but not too much. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of the brand split. I mean, we're not going back five, six years ago when people were kind of on Raw and SmackDown in the same week. I mean, right now we're getting that before the draft kind of goes into effect. But yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Uh, and when we spoke back in January, one of the top questions I had for you and that people were really wondering was the new entrance music. When are we getting it? What's it going to sound like? Blah, blah, blah. That was way back when, <laughs> nine months ago. And obviously we got it back in April. And it's like the most downloaded WWE song right now. It has like 5 million hits on YouTube, even more than your previous theme, which, which it's been up for like 10 years and it's already more downloaded than that. Uh, talk to me about the song. I mean, it gives me like a Marvel, like Thanos, big boss fight feel type vibe. What were some of the inspirations for you going into that song and how it's kind of turned out? Cause it's amazing. Uh, well, you know, a lot of it was um, just trying to create that, that iconic feel to where immediately, you know, Oh, he's here. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, he's coming out. You know what I mean? So that's where we went with the two different beats, the two different melodies, I guess, um, is to have that 20 second, 25 second opening to where it's like preparing them. And then here we come. And then I wanted it to transition from there into something, just something more I could vibe to, you know, something more I like, the the old one, the old like Shield Roman Reigns music was it was cool and it grew on me. And I think when you do something over and over and over for a long time, you just figure out how to vibe to it. But this was a like a, a beat that I just this was a track where I just like man, this is making my head nod. And you'll see it like I, I feel like my cousins are doing the same thing in the back. But it just gives you that ultimate swag when you're walking out. And I think especially for an entrance, you know what I mean? Like that that's the most important thing is people seeing that and feeling that swagger, that energy, that confidence coming off of you. You have to admit that to them and it makes them feel comfortable and it makes them feel happy and, and enjoy what they're, they're experiencing. And I think it just enhances the whole environment and the energy that's, uh, that's in the arena. But, but yeah, man, I wanted to have that mafia kind of feel that final boss, as some people have said, but then also put a little bit, just a, I don't, I don't know if hip hop is the right, but I feel like, I wanted something where people would be like, man, I could, I could lay down some bars on that one. Uh, and, I, and some people have actually. So yeah. uh, to, to me, it was, uh, it was, it was really important to capture the right vibe uh, to maximize my energy and make me feel most comfortable. Cause like, like the old music, anything, like I said, you do something over and oh, you get comfortable. So I, we had to quickly uproot that comfort and then, you know, be able to dive into the skin of this new track um, and have it enhance my character and presentation. Oh, it's fantastic. And it's such a great gym song too. You kind of make it feel like a badass every time you walk out and listen to it. It's fantastic. But as we wind down here, Roman, kind of going well, off that I, road. Just, just to touch on that though, you're, you're right, man. And like, while we we're going through it, me, me and Neil, uh, mm -hmm. who's had a, the music, uh, portion of it all, um, he would, he'd send me the different iterations of it and I would listen to it on during my morning cardio and just walk to it or, or do whatever I was doing for like 30 minutes and just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, and just try to find my stride to it. And like, ah, no, that's not it. It's not there yet. And we, we did that for months, man. And, and it was little by little. So huge shout out to Neil Lowey um, and, and being a part of that process. And then obviously everybody else who uh, made it happen. But yeah, man, it, it was something that, um, that I had to, I had to be able to walk to it and, and, and have that kind of like, Oh yeah, I can listen to this in the gym for sure. That's awesome. Well, it was well worth the wait because people are waiting a long time for that. When it finally came out, it was, uh, it was perfect. Was it, was there ever the idea to do it at WrestleMania? Cause I know you premiered it a couple weeks after mania. 
Uh, yeah, but um, it, it wasn't ready. Uh, they, oh, okay. Uh, me, and the, me and the big man weren't agreeing on a couple of things, so I was just like, screw it, man. I'm, uh, I'm not going out to it now. It, it has to be – I have to feel it because nobody else uh, – I mean, outside of my cousins and Paul, nobody else is walking up to that. So to me – these are the type of things that I have to be 100% connected to. And that's why I think you can trust, uh, like our audience can trust in, in me and, and the presentation and the character and, and everything that I'm doing is that if it doesn't feel right, I'm not going to do that shit. Like it's got to be on point with how I feel and I have to be able to commit and connect to it. Otherwise it's going to be see-through. I'm not, I'm not the type that can recite. I, I, I can't memorize and recite. I, I can't, I have to feel, I have to have instincts. Um, and for me to be able to do that, I have to be uh, comfortable and committed to to and believe in in what's presented to me, so I can present mm. it to our audience. No, it makes sense. You know, it was like I said, worth the wait. Anyway, at least we got a better late than never. Uh, as we wind down here, Roman, the Golden Glove. I forgot to ask you last time: Is it Thanos Infinity Gauntlet inspired, or is that just one giant coincidence when you wear it out there for your big fights? It's more of a, a coincidence. Uh, I'm not going to say I, you know, I, I've never watched the Avengers. No, I've seen all the movies, um, but I honestly didn't like relate it to that. It was just, I needed a change. And, and to me, the gold, like it's always been black. Everything's been black. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little bit of gray in here, a little bit of blue. But to me, the gold was just like, this is what, what I'm trying to do. And then I've said it before, like everything I touch turns into gold. And that was the mindset that I wanted to have. Like, the, that power, the, the you know, the design of all of it, and and the underlying like theme of what we're trying to do is display power mm-hmm. at at its maximum in every regard, whether it's backstage, whether it's in ring character, like the whole nine. I want all of my presentation to be powerful, um, and, and everything that goes into that to get it to that point. Um, and then it just, you know, championship gold, all of that. It, there was a lot of little details that tied into me pulling a trigger on going with the gold glove. And, and now I've rocked the red to represent the bloodline as well. So it, it's just something like it's a cool interactive uh, situation that, that makes for great merchandising as well. Most definitely. You can buy it on WWE shop, like you said, too. So it's perfect. Uh, last question for you, Roman. Any, any or Sorry, what was that? Oh, sorry. I was I you said a shameless me. plug. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. People can buy it in WWE shop. Uh, last question for you, man, before we wrap up. Any one match moment stand out to you as Universal Champion? You've been champion for over 400 days. Hell in the Cell on SmackDown, Rey Mysterio. A triple Threat Mania match. The WrestleMania main event, Cena at SummerSlam. So many matches along the way. Does any one stand out to you so far as being the most meaningful or special? Or all? I mean, obviously, they're all great for different reasons. But does any one stand out to you in your mind as your favorite so far? a tough one um i I mean like you just said to me they all feel very special and they're all very uh like super important for all the different progressions and layers of my character and 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 just kind of going up each rung and taking to the next level i think i think to me personally the most special was the, the stuff I did with my cousin Jay. Um, mm. I felt more connected to that, those two matches and, and the, that storyline uh, than I've ever felt to anything else. Uh, and a lot of that, uh, a lot of those promos and stuff like that and, and the emotion that you could see in it, they're very real. 
Um, and I think we were able to tap into stuff, tap into some baggage that we've had um, that we may have not ever really spoke about or even like thought was like an issue or like, uh, you know, like a common ground, but it was something that we were able to dive into. And then uh, as you're doing it, like, it was like, man, these emotions are so easy to connect to that this stuff has to be real. Like, you know what I mean? And, and we were able to, to go back to so many different, like, nuances and, and mannerisms that we've had over the years. I mean, since we were just little, little kids. Um, and uh, to me, I'm very proud of that. Uh, I'm very proud to be able to, to be with my family, um, to continually try to elevate them and, and position them in the best manner possible and, and put them in the best light and, and showcase the performance that they are. Because to me, they're, they're, you know, easily to me i mean they're easily the best tag team uh, uh certainly of our generation but i mean they're more than that they're, to me they're single stars and and we still even i mean we've tapped into it with jay and he's he's carried smackdown for for a lot of uh weeks over the past year or so i mean he we we called him main event jay uso for a reason because he was holding it down on, on for the show uh on fridays but um I think there's still a lot of work that we can continue to tap into and, and elevate them as well. Uh, and it's tough because that triple threat of mania, I think just the, like when you hear Paul Heyman go in on it and he starts, you know, laying down the history of it, the most dominant uh, uh, finish in WrestleMania main event history, like nobody's ever stacked two guys in the main event of WrestleMania, you know, and, and for me to be able to say I did that is, is crazy. Uh, but I think that's just like recognition and accolade alone. Uh, one that's super special to me as, as well is um, outside of just being because he's my family and it was so strong with Jay. But uh, the match I did with Edge uh, at Money in the Bank, uh, mm -hmm. I believe that was in Fort Worth. That was like the first pay-per-view back. And man, it, I, I don't I don't think I've watched that match back, so I can't like really detail if the energy and, and it was as loud as it was like in arena but in arena man that crowd was live and and just the timing and the pacing and i've heard some people critique it was a little slow but that is what the main event and heavyweights do you know i'm not going to go out there and start sprinting around and doing flips for no reason uh, and we're following the actual Money in the Bank ladder match, which is just a spot fest and, you know, crazy, you know, stunt fest in its own right. But to go in there with Edge, who, I mean, I, I don't have to sing his praises. We all, if you're a wrestling fan or, or, you know, have followed anything to do with wrestling, you already know who Edge is and what he's done for this business, uh, the experience um, and the passion that he brings. I mean, the man had a broken neck, for crying out loud. And he's still out here getting it, you know what I mean? So, I mean, there, there's, there, you cannot measure uh, the dedication that that man has. But to go out there and experience that, that, uh, that reaction and, and that, that story that was being told out there together, was, uh, it was phenomenal, man. Fantastic, man. It's such a great match. We're going to have another great match with you and Brock and Crown Jewel. But before then, Super Size SmackDown, not on Fox, but rather FS1 this Friday, October 15th, 8 p.m. to 10.30 p.m., two and a half hours. It's going to be a great time on Friday night. Roman, this has been awesome, man. Such a pleasure talking to you as always. Thanks again for the time and best luck with everything going forward, man. You're a star. You're doing awesome work right now. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me.
Once again, big thanks to Roman for the time. We actually went a little bit over than what we were allotted, but Roman gave such great detail, we actually just went a couple of minutes over. But he was awesome. As well as he was the first time, Roman is fucking awesome. So he's the man. Appreciate his time. Hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Like I said earlier, you could check out the article version of that interview, probably by the time you listen to this. First thing, Friday morning, Bleach Report, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, and on my YouTube channel, over at youtube.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. With all that being said, guys, let's throw it to my conversation now with Mr. Marceau, breaking down Raw, NXT, and all the latest happenings in the world of wrestling this past week. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? Doing well, GSM. How are you? Doing excellent. We just got done talking about a variety of topics, so, you know, football-related. I'm a big football guy, as you know. Did the Chiefs win their last game, by the way? They lost. They lost. Who did they face again? It was like the, um, who was it? I don't remember. Okay, tell me. Buffalo Bills. The Bills, Bills. We talked about the Bills Mafia, Bills Nation, the Bills one. Okay, the Bills are doing well, so that's not a tough loss. They can always bounce back. But other than that, we were discussing, like, what do we even talk about here today? Um, there was no dynamite last night, no major happenings. We talked about the draft and broke that entire thing last week. We got Crown Jewel next Thursday, and we're tentatively aiming to do it afterwards. So whether it's a good show or a bad show, it's going to be an interesting time breaking down that entire pay-per-view where they brought next Thursday. It's going to be Crown Jewel. Uh, maybe we'll get into some predictions for that pay-per-view at the end of this episode. But I just want to get your thoughts on Raw and NXT largely from this past week. Um, Raw was very uneventful. They're kind of in a uh, you know uh, passing period right now. Holding pattern was the term that I was looking for. They're in a bit of a holding pattern right now until the draft rosters go into effect next Friday on SmackDown. Um, NXT, bit of a mixed bag per usual as well with a very newsworthy ending. We'll get into more of that towards the end here. We're not going to do a match-by-match breakdown of Raw here today um, just because it really wasn't that good of a show. But kind of elaborate on what you were telling me, Mr. Marceau, before we went live here. Like, the biggest problem with Raw, in your opinion right now, I know we sound like a broken record. We talk about it every week. I'll, I'll talk about the major points in a moment, but your overall issues right now with the Monday Night Raw show, uh, what really stands out to you as being the biggest problem about this program? It's just not exciting. I feel like it's the same shit every week. I still don't, I mean, this is just like a, a WWE issue. I just like, I have no idea why the hell you'd have the draft and then not have it go in effect for like two weeks. It makes legitimately no sense. At that point, just wait till Crown Jewel's over and then they should have, they should have done Crown Jewel and after Crown Jewel do the draft on SmackDown the next night. Mm-hmm. Like, Because I, I feel like before the draft, we're waiting for the draft to shake everything up, but now we're still getting like the same old stuff and it just, I don't know, it just, I feel like it just, it needs a. It needs definitely. It's a new coat of paint. Raw, especially, is just a chore to watch, and it just is so un unentertaining that I can understand why the ratings are terrible. It is nothing on Raw like excites me anymore. Like yeah, the Archeo Bro stuff's probably the best stuff, and it, it's been them and AJ for like the last like two months. Yeah, almost three months actually. Yeah, going well back <laughs> before SummerSlam, though, and that's not good. And they have some tag teams too. They have a lot of women. They have a lot of great men on their roster, men and women, but they're not really utilizing a lot of people, or people just aren't given a lot of time. I mean, my biggest problem with the show this week, and this hasn't really been a consistent issue with the show over the last year, two, five, six, seven, eight, nine years, um, but just recently, for whatever reason, no matches are really given any time on this show. Even the men's matches got some time. Um, and I thought the King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown tournament matches would help with that, giving matches more meaning, giving them more time, showcasing the divisions. The men's matches so far have been given an ample amount of time. That is far from the case with the women. I mean, dude, we got to talk about this real quick. And I, I spoke about this in hashtag AskGSM and elsewhere. The women's division right now, 
They are not giving these ladies any time. And they have a really, you know, talented roster between Raw, SmackDown, obviously NXT. NXT is not really much of an issue, more so the main roster. But you would think with the Queen's Crown, they would showcase the division, put the best talent they have in this thing. You have Dana Brooke in there, Zelina Vega. I'm sorry, they're not the cream of the crop. But even then, they're not giving these matches enough time to really be as good as they possibly could be. Now we got Carmella and Zelina Vega in the semifinals this coming Friday. And we spoke about who we thought could win each tournament last week. Now we know who's in each one. But let's talk about the women's one real quick. Queen's Crown Tournament, Mr. Marceau. These matches are being given no time. And as a lot of people have been saying, this feels like the Divas division of like 10 years ago with how they're treating their women right now. Yeah, I just, I don't understand. You're going to do this, you use this term as a platform to try to get women over, but then you literally give them no time. The matches haven't been good. The people going over is head scratching, especially on the SmackDown side. I just, if you're going to do it, you got to go all the way in. You just can't do it half-assed because that makes it seem less important. And you're going to showcase the women and do what you're doing. It just, it's more of like a slap in the face that makes us not care about the women because it's literally matches are two to three minutes, squashes basically, and the people, especially on SmackDown, went over, just made no sense. The three minutes, I think, is being generous. I think Natalia and Dewdrop was three minutes, and that was the longest match of the first four quarterfinal matches. And it's not like a first-round thing. Like, the men's matches got far more time than that. I think one men's match got more time than all first four quarterfinal matches in the Queen's Crown Tournament combined, which is pretty bad. Um, I think we spoke about this over text, and I think we did last Friday. It feels like an eternity ago at this point. Tony Storm losing to Zelina Vega in a matter of 90 seconds. Carmella beating Liv Morgan in a matter of two minutes or less. And now we got Carmella and Zelina Vega in the semifinals on SmackDown this coming Friday. Your thoughts on the how the tournament is shaping out? We got, you know, Dewdrop and Shayna Baszler advancing. They're going to be facing off in the semifinals on Monday. Terrible booking decisions on day one. At least Dewdrop and Baszler advanced as they should have. Um, I'm still hoping that Baszler is going to win the whole thing. But, you know, this is WWE and they have done dumber. So I guess time will tell. But your thoughts on how the tournament is shaking out so far as terms of in terms of who's advanced and who hasn't? It's cur- I mean, I think Raw did, like, even though the matches weren't long, I mean, Shane and Dewdrop have had, like, a little interaction, so that would make sense. Like, at least that's some, like, a little bit of, uh, I don't know if it's a character development, but kind of going back to, like, something that we already had a feud or a little teasing there, and then going back to that makes sense. But Zelina and Carmella both winning was mind-boggling. They're both heels, one. Liv Morgan, I mean, she was just, like, basically, like, before Becky was going after Bianca, I feel like she was getting push that role of being like the next title contender and I guess I don't know like she beat Carmella plenty of times then she just lost to her on SmackDown clean it wasn't like I don't even think Carmella even cheated to beat her so I, I honestly the SmackDown ones are mind boggling Zelina Vega's been treated as a joke since she came back they have her beat Tony Storm in like two minutes so well, I guess she's just done with at this point I just I, I don't know both the decisions to me were head scratchers and it did nothing for either of them Especially with someone like Tony Storm, too, who has a lot of potential. And I've grown to like Liv Morgan a lot. I think she's actually improved, and she's done well. She's gotten over, and they kind of screwed her over. She might get her win back over Carmella one of these weeks. That feud probably isn't over. The Tony Storm thing is what really bothers me, because she could be a star right now. Not in a year, not in six months. Like, with certain people, it's weird. Like, even with Bianca, when they first called her up, they did absolutely nothing with that woman for the first maybe six months she was on the Raw roster then why even bother calling her up is the question. They finally started pushing her on Raw, or rather on SmackDown, many months later. I'm hoping Tony, even though she's still on SmackDown, will get that opportunity at some point. 
But it's one of those things where like they take their time building people up and they knock them down six pegs before building them back up slowly. I don't know why they do that, but that's just kind of the case with this company. Uh, with the men's tournament, King of the Ring, we got Finn Balor advancing over Cesaro on SmackDown last Friday in addition to Sami Zayn beating Rey Mysterio. On Monday's Raw, we got Xavier Woods beating Ricochet to qualify for the next round. And we also got Kofi Kingston losing to Jinder Mahal in the uh, quarterfinals as well. So it's going to be Xavier Woods versus Jinder Mahal in the semifinals next Monday. And Finn Balor versus Sami Zayn in the semifinals this Friday on SmackDown. Give me your two cents, Mr. Marceau, on the men's matches so far and who you see going over ultimately in this thing between those four men. Yeah, I mean, I actually don't have a problem with the men. I mean, anyone but gender at this point. ABJ, anyone but gender, because <laughs> no thank you. But, I mean, Balor made sense. I'm glad he went over. I think he, at this point he should be the one that wins it. I hope that God they don't like, oh, gender's going to get booed, so vote gender win it, please, now. Mm-hmm. But I like gender winning. Uh, Xavier Woods, I mean, if he's going to go to the finals, he should just win it at that point. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I feel like, I mean, it would be nice. I don't think Balor really needs it. Someone like him could probably use a little prop up. Um, but anyone but gender, honestly. I, I, I can't. I can't do gender. Sami Zayn, love the guy, but no shot. Yeah, he's in mid-card hell. And I think another thing is, too, is that I don't think, not that he can't, I just don't think that WWE wants to take the risk of having him travel over to Saudi Arabia, which is where the finals are taking place next Thursday at uh, Crown Jewel. So he's definitely, obviously, not winning on Friday's SmackDown. It's really going to be Balor versus whoever. I'm convinced it's going to be gender. Honestly, like, he's a heel. They wanted the heel heat. Like, oh, I beat the New Day. Like, no one gives a fuck. Like, it really honestly should have been Xavier and Kofi in the semifinals. It would be far more interesting, a better match. I see all the love for gender on social media. I, I, I met the guy a couple months ago. I texted you about that. He seems like a nice enough guy. As a performer, there's just nothing there. Um, you know, former WWE champion, United States champion. He's just not exciting at all. He's just not exciting. He's on SmackDown now. I could give two fucks about Jinder Mahal. Um, then giving him the crown to kind of give him a renewed singles push. I feel like it's every once every year they try to give this guy a new push, whether it's towards the WWE title or when they were having him feud with Roman Reigns a couple of years ago or all these other people. And it never exactly works out because just people don't care about Jinder. Um, I hope this is not what that's that. I hope this is not what that is. I would love to see Woods go all the way and win the whole thing. I'm just not really confident that's what's going to happen. Um, that honestly really was it from Raw. I thought the King's Crown or the King of the Ring and Queen's Crown rather were like the biggest talking points from the show. Biggie and Drew can't get along. The women can't get along. How bad was that women's tag team match? And how much of a joke that was in terms of how it was booked. You can call. Do you even call that a match? It was like fucking twenty-two seconds. Mm-hmm. It was just awful. And like I said, the worst part is like they each of them had like a little vignette, like in every thirty-minute mark going in, like into that match. I'm like, oh, that should be pretty good. And then they just do that. I'm like, it's so it's just so lazy WWE booking. It's it doesn't make anyone. It looks it makes everyone look like bush league too. It doesn't. It's not like he does them any favors. It makes them look stupid. It was awful. Terrible. Yeah, that was terrible. I was looking forward to that, too, because you have, like, four WrestleMania women's headliners among the four of them, and the match was booked as, uh, like, a four-minute... I mean, you see, I mean, it felt like 20 seconds, but it was, like, four or five minutes of nothingness. It was a complete throwaway match. They threw out the match because they were brawling or something. It was a terrible finish, and I was already looking forward to the triple threat of the pay-per-view. I feel like that got me less excited for the match than it was previously, which is, I didn't think it was possible. I mean, I, I don't want to say which I, I thought was impossible, because I am looking forward to the match, but um, they managed to do it on Monday. I thought the build on Monday was just terrible. Because like you said, coming off those mini promos they cut too, 
I thought that was great. And then they did that shit. I was just like, come on, man. What the fuck? Well, let's move away from Raw. I want to ask you about this before we move on to NXT. On the TLC pay-per-view, reportedly, as of today, according to various sources, may be no more. Um, usually, we get the TLC pay-per-view in the month of December. We've gotten it pretty much every December for the last decade plus now. I think the only year they didn't do it in December was 2017, when they did it in October, and Angle was on the pay-per-view. Beyond that, I think they've had it every December for the last 11 or 12 years. Um, but apparently it's no more. We already knew about the WWE Day 1 pay-per-view, which is really what should have been New Year's Revolution, but whatever. Um, they're calling it WWE Day 1. That's on January 1st, before the Rumble later on in January. No December pay-per-view. So it's not that they're going to have less pay-per-views because the Day 1 pay-per-view is basically the December pay-per-view just like a week later, week or two later. Um, but this is a step towards getting rid of the gimmick pay-per-views, Mr. Marceau. I think that's a huge positive because I think the TLC pay-per-view years ago was useful. It was cool. The concept has not been cool or innovative or exciting in many, many years. So if this is what it takes to get rid of, you know, starting to get rid of pay-per-views like that in Extreme Rules, I think this is a major positive, although I'm not super high on the WWE Day 1 name. I mean, the name's whatever. I'm not too against it. But if it, this is, uh, like you said, the first step to getting rid of the uh, grand-themed or the... the uh, Gimmick theme pay-per-views, I'm so, I'm so for it. Just like my favorite saying, how can I miss you if you never go away? How's a TLC match special when you get it every year? Mm-hmm. And it's not even like we just get it, like, we get it multiple times throughout the year, and then we also get it on that guaranteed show. It's just, it's not special when you get it all the time. So I'm, I, I am hopeful that they get away from this these concepts, kind of do, do other stuff. But I, I think the whole brand pay-per-view, I understand why they did it. They, get, they thought it would generate more interest to shows that weren't selling as good, but when you do it every year, it's just it's just stupid. I think it proved that it, it didn't make much of an impact, and that was 10 years ago, dude. This is 2021. They started doing these shows in 2009, and they haven't made a lick of a difference. They've been on the network, off the network, on Peacock. I don't think people are going to buy in swarms to watch a uh, Extreme Rules or a Hell in a Cell or a TLC pay-per-view when they're really largely uneventful compared to the Big Four or the Big Three or Money in the Bank or whatever, so... I don't know. I really hope they do indeed get rid of it because I feel like it's been a pointless pay-per-view for a very long time now. And again, I'm not a big fan of the day one name, um, but it is far enough out from the Rumble where it makes sense. It's like a you know a, a, a building bridge pay-per-view where they build the gap or bridge the gap between Survivor Series and Rumble. In reality, you don't, you don't really need a pay-per-view in between the two of them. It's a two-month difference. But beyond that, though, I think it's a much-needed upgrade over the once-TLC pay-per-view. So let's talk about NXT from Tuesday. Um, again, a mixed bag of a show. It's not really about the in-ring action anymore. You would be lucky to find a match that exceeds the 10-minute mark. Uh, we had Tommaso Ciampa versus Joe Gacy. I don't really, I don't think we talked about NXT last week, which is why I want to spend some more time talking about it this week, Mr. Marceau. This Joe Gacy stuff fucking sucks. I know what they're going for. I know what they're going for with the whole, oh, inclusivity thing. I said that terribly. That, that's not how you say it, but... Uh, inclusive and the whole he didn't say I, the, the only word I was waiting for him to say that he didn't say was woke I was shocked he didn't say wokeness or whatever he didn't say that but he said or he didn't say cancel either it was like stuff like that um, I'd have to go back and listen to the exact promo but it's fucking terrible I know they're going for like a Bray Wyatt type vibe but I'm just not buying it and the guy's decent enough in the ring but this shit is gonna fall flat right on its fucking face because it sucks and the match was good honestly I thought the match was fine but the Joe Gacy stuff. I want to get your two cents on that. I actually, I, I don't hate the gimmick. I mean, it's not the greatest, but actually, he thing that saves it for me is like he's actually not terrible in the ring. So like, no, 
his gimmick itself's pretty dumb, and I get where they're going for it, but at least, like, he's decent enough in the ring that I can, like, let it pass. If he was just shits in the ring, then okay, but, like, he's, he's definitely passable in the ring, so I think it could use some work, but I'm not totally uh, anti-Joe Gacy like you are. What's your take on the Parker Dar- Bardot pacing, or Bordeaux, rather, pairing, I should say. That was the tongue twister. Um, the bald guy that showed up afterward. I mean, we got a lot, we saw a lot of him, and we heard a lot about him before he got signed, the Brock Lesnar-looking dude, and now he's showing up here looking like fucking Snitsky circa 2008. Uh, what's your he take like on him? He does look like Luther. He's probably better in the ring than Luther, but that's another rant for another time. Yeah, as I say, don't don't go on a rant here. But no, I mean, <laughs> it's interesting. I, I, it is what it is, I guess. I just I love how WWE just takes someone that has a following and then just changes everything about them. And it's just like, why? Why? You don't even recognize why? them, yeah? Yeah, I didn't even recognize them at first. I had to like go on Twitter and like look up, and I'm like, oh, that's him. Can't tell because he's fucking bald now. Mm. Stupid. I, it's, it's another case of why change something that's not broken. Yeah. They do that quite a bit, and uh, we got plenty more showcase matches on NXT this week. Way, you know, a lot of squash matches. Uh, one being Zion Quinn against Malik Blade. We've seen Quinn in action a couple of times. He beat Oni Lorcan a few weeks ago. I'm going to be honest with you, dude. Of all the people they've brought in so far, I think he's one of the people that's impressed me more. Um, we haven't heard from him yet, but in the ring, he looks intense. He looks the part. He's got a different look about him. I don't know. From what I've seen of him so far, he's kind of got that uh, charismatic you know, Enigma, I mean, that's that's Jeff Hardy terminology, but he's got that, like, enigmatic vibe about him that we don't really know a lot about him or whatever, so I want to get your take on uh, Zion Quinn. No, actually, I, I've enjoyed him so far. Um, I, I mean, I hope, I'm hoping, they don't, I, I don't really want to hear from him. I kind of want to be, like, the silent killer. But I agree, man. So far, so well, so far, I think he's done well, and like you said, out of all the newer people, he's probably impressed me the most. Him and the Diamond Mine, I think Diamond Mine have really been carrying the show since the reboot of NXT. We saw a lot of them this week. Uh, Ivy Nile making her in-ring debut. I've seen her before. I wasn't really sure what to make of her in-ring work until I saw her, and she's impressive. I mean, for for a smaller woman, she can not just go. I mean, she didn't go out there and do, like, fucking flips or whatever, but, you know, she can work, and she has impressive strength, and uh, she was showcased quite well in that match, in addition to uh, Judas Creed, not Judas, what is this, fucking Chris Jericho, Julius Creed, taking on Ikeman Jiro, um, beating him in a quick squash. So, Diamond Mine, we've, we've had a lot of praise, plenty of praise for Diamond Mine here on the show over the last month or so. Um, I thought the latest two showcases for Ivy Nile and Julius Creed were very well done. I agree. I think uh, the Creed brothers are good. They definitely need more work, but they, they've been impressive. And I think Diamond Mine as a whole has been, been well, and I really enjoyed, can't remember her name, but I thought she was very well in her debut as well. So the Creed brothers, they kind of tease this, but do you think they could be the team to take the titles off of MSK? And I, I mean, listen, I like Imperium, but who could possibly care at this point? We've already seen that match anyway, so I, I don't know. Um, I'd rather see be the Creed brothers, but I don't know if they're ready as the thing. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, don't, I mean, I like Imperium, but been there, done that, unfortunately, with them. But, uh... Besides them, I mean, who's going to be Biggs and other goofball? So I hope not. If anything, I'd rather just have the Creed Brothers beat them. Yeah, I'd rather have the Creed Brothers beat them. I don't know what other tag teams NXT has that could feasibly be MSK that haven't already gotten a shot. Like a Legato, maybe, but they've already gotten their shot and lost. So I'm not really sure where you go from here with that team, or with that with the tag titles, rather. So we'll say uh, Dunn and Holland could have been the team to do it, but they lost again on the show to Kyle O'Reilly. And uh, let me check my notes here. Von Wagner, who I'm you sorry. Von Wagner, Fucking abysmal. 
He I is read in the dirt. It's your favorite wrestler. I he, you may have mixed me up with Vince because apparently he got comparisons to Edge and they loved his in ring work. I have seen nothing impressive about the guy in the ring. That pre tape promo from last week where he forgot his lines apparently was terrible. Um, he looks like a creator wrestler, but whoever was creating him didn't finish. It's just not good. Like they, they were creating the wrestler, but they didn't put in the stats because the guy's no good. Um, I want to get your take on Val and Wagner. We haven't really talked a lot about him, but the match was fine. Uh, Ridge Holland lost again because obviously he's on his way to SmackDown. I don't know why they would pin him so frequently. Um, fucking Von Wagner pinned him, but it is what it is. So uh, your, your, your thoughts on this match. He's another guy. I mean, I don't think there's anything special about him. Definitely don't see Edge comparison because he has long hair. Yeah, because he has long hair. That's so like stereotypical. I just—he's fine. I—I I mean, I don't think he's great. I don't think he's terrible. He's just kind of in the middle. I don't see the obsession with him. I think he's another decent guy, but I don't see why he's in all over the TV. Yeah, I, I don't really see what they see in him aside from his size, and they think he looks like a star. I mean, hey, seeing is believing, but from what I've seen in the ring, he certainly does not come across like a star, and maybe he'll change my mind, but I'm not too sure. Some more showcase matches for uh, Duke Hudson and Grayson Waller. They went mad, the match went all of three minutes, and I've been firmly in the camp for a while, as we've talked about here on the show before, uh, of being a Duke Hudson fan. I'm impressed by what I've seen of him. He, he's another guy who has like size on his side, but I don't know, just from what I've heard him speak and the aura that he kind of gives off when he comes out he gives me a Wade Barrett vibe and I've always I was always a big Wade Barrett fan and obviously Wade Barrett's a big fan of him on commentary so uh, I like what I've seen from Duke Hudson the problem is that they have to give everyone a fucking gimmick so now he's a poker player and it's like the house of Hudson and whatever they're calling it so (laughs) stupid this is like literally WWF circa 1995 I, I thought the match was fine I'm glad they're doing something with him but the gimmick is putrid Oh, no, I, 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 I can't even, can't even speak about it so much. I like, I think Cousin's good. I don't think he's great. Uh, the gimmick is just stupid. And, and you say it's WWE 1995. I think it's like Ruthless Aggression era in WWE when every guy that they debuted had like some random gimmick and it screams Johnny A. So it, it, it fits right with the uh, times right now. But mm. I think he's fine. I don't love him, but. I think he's a decent hand in the ring. Like, they talk of his size, but his arms are smaller than mine. So, I, I mean, he can work on the biceps a little bit. But besides that, he's fine in the ring. But I'm not a huge Duke Hudson guy. And Grayson Waller is good in the ring, too. And his new gimmick is that he picks up chicks on uh, Tinder and stuff like that. He's more about the swiping than he is fighting or whatever he said in that backstage promo. <laughs> Come on, man. What the fuck is this? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No comment. (laughs) No comment. I plead the fifth. Before we go on, I got to get your two cents on this. Did you see the mystery promo for who's coming at Halloween Havoc? And I didn't see it initially when it aired. I saw it on YouTube after the fact. I must have skipped through it during a commercial or whatever. But, I mean, is there any real question as to who this could be if you heard the voice as to who was talking and whatever? I don't even know what you just said. The promo. (laughs) Did you see the mystery promo for the guy coming or the, the person coming at Halloween Havoc or no? No, I did not see it. Okay. So there's a vignette. It's on YouTube. They aired it during NXT. I skipped through it, apparently. I didn't know I skipped through it. It's a 30-second vignette, and it's someone, like, burying something in a graveyard, and they're coming at Halloween Havoc, and they said, to move forward, I got to bury the past or whatever. You hear the voice. It's distorted, 
but it is so clearly based off their pronunciation of the words and their accent, it's fucking Dakota Kai, obviously. People were thinking it was Elias because he did the burial thing a couple months ago, and we haven't seen him since. It's obviously Dakota Kai. Um, your thoughts on apparently Dakota Kai, which would make sense because she wasn't called up in the draft. Your two cents on Dakota Kai staying put in NXT and apparently getting a new gimmick of some sort. I just feel like she's done all that she can do in NXT short of becoming champion, the NXT women's champion, that is, and we know she's not going to do that. So I'm not really sure why she's staying put in NXT. Love Dakota Kai. No idea what they're doing with her. If anything, I would switch her back babyface. I think she's a great babyface as well, but why does she need a gimmick change? She's fine the way she is. Yeah, I don't know. The thing is, is that, like you just said, if anything, if you were going to repackage her, and maybe this is the case and it's a swerve, I would love to see her go back to being a babyface. I mean, Tegan Knox isn't there anymore, so you can't really reunite the two of them, but have her go back to being a babyface. She was always a natural face, and she's been healed now for almost two years, which is wild to think about, but I would turn her back, and if that's not the plan, I'm not really sure what they're going for. What's your worst-case guess as to what her new gimmick is if the uh, poker player shit and the swiping stuff on Tinder is any indication? She's fucking Steve Irwin's old gym and daughter. I don't know. No, so she might get uh, linked up with uh, Shane Thorne. Did you see that new gimmick a couple months ago? Yeah, put them together. I'm ready. Dude, the hypocrisy with these people. Did you see when... So obviously that never made TV. That was like a dark match thing. People exploded. Oh, this gimmick sucks. It's awful. It's fucking... Everything's about the gimmicks. Listen, I said the same thing. I think it fucking sucks. But then the next... Or maybe not even the same day... Shane Thorne goes on Twitter and goes, just want to let you guys know it was my idea. Oh my God, the outpour of positivity for this shit after he said that. Good on you, glad they're giving you creative freedom. Oh, and anyone who says that WWE doesn't give their wrestlers creative freedom. How many fucking times have I said this to you, Mr. Marceau, here on the show? Just because they give, they allow you to run with an idea that's terrible doesn't mean that it's creative freedom. It means that he had five or six other ideas that they didn't go with, so they went with the last one because they thought it would be entertaining. I mean, this bullshit that it's a good idea because it's their idea, I think is, I think it's completely garbage. I know you're more of a Nikki Ash fan than I am, but I hate this idea that just because it's their idea that it's a good idea, which I think people can come up with ideas on their own. Like if Roman Reigns, because he's booking his own shit right now, if he came up with something that was dumb, I would blame him. I would be like, that's stupid. If that was his idea, it's still stupid. I don't agree with the idea that just because it's their idea, it's a good idea. I don't think that makes sense. Well, no, it's it's, it's just people being dumb. I mean, just because their idea doesn't make it a good idea. I mean, they had an idea that they're running with. But, um, I mean, the thing with the Nikki Ash thing, like, I think with her, at least, at least if she, she got on TV, and I feel like she's in a lot better spot than she was before. I mean, then she's not mm-hmm. doing the greatest thing right now, but she, at least she's like, she won the championship, she's with Rhea, she's on TV weekly, she seems like she's more over the crowd. I mean, before she was just like a glorified loser, so mm-hmm. no one really cared. But with Shane Thorne, I mean, yeah, it could be his idea, but I feel like he'll be unemployed. Like, I just don't think it's going anywhere, so. And I just think if it's their idea, it does make it better. It's just stupid. Yeah, I'm shocked he hasn't been let go already. I hate to even say that. And I like the guy. I was a Shane Thorne fan, but I'm surprised compared to the people they have released. I'm surprised he's still on the uh, he's still on the payroll. But maybe I just reminded them, and that'll remind them to uh, let him go. I hope not. I, I want to see them do something with him, but that gimmick is just awful, assuming it uh, ends up on TV, which um, he wasn't drafted, so I'm not sure if it will. So time will tell. Back to NXT, Indy Harwell and Persia Peretta, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Uh, newest tag team in NXT taking on Sarai and Amari Miller. They beat them. 
And they're going to be a uh, they're going to be one of the three teams in the NXT Tag Team Women's Tag Team Title Match at Halloween Havoc in two weeks. Um, I like Hartwell and Peretta. I think they already had history from before WWE. They're both Australian. It gives me, I'm not going to lie to you, dude, and this might annoy some people that I'm saying this. They give me Iconics vibes, but 10 times better because they're not as fucking annoying. Like the Iconics, I enjoy the shtick in NXT on the main roster. People will complain, oh, you should have you never broken them up. I'm glad they broke up because they were awful towards the end there. They were so fucking annoying. They were never serious. They were always annoying. I know that's the point, but it was like channel changing shit. Maybe they can change that now that they're an impact. I don't know if it's going to be the same shtick or not. They're a great tag thing to have over there. From what I've seen so far, it's been one or two matches, but Hartwell and Peretta have good chemistry. They work well together. And honestly, of all the three teams in that match in two weeks, if, if it's not Toxic Attraction, I think Hartwell and Peretta would be a good choice to become champions. So what are your thoughts on the new team of uh, Peretta and Hartwell in NXT? Now that Candice LeRae is pregnant and she can't team with Hartwell anymore. I don't like it. Like you said, I think it is very similar to Iconics, but it's not as over-the-top annoying as they were. I thought, they, I thought honestly, breaking them up was better. I thought Payne could have... Exactly. But, I mean, with that, we saw how that went. But, um, I mean, it's it's decent. I think, I mean, the fact they're still doing tag team titles in NXT is still stupid. Like, just, like the main roster ones they never defend. Why the hell would you have another one? Mm-hmm. Uh, stupid, 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 stupid. But I think I like them. I think it's they're good. I think I haven't seen a lot of the Persia Persia girl, but I think from what I've seen, she looked well, and I like Andy and nice little team. Yeah, nice little team to add to the division of uh, four teams. So it's uh, better than three, I guess, and better than the main roster that only has one women's tag team, which we talked about last week. Uh, main event saw Isaiah Swerve Scott beat Santos Escobar to retain the NXT North American Championship, only to lose it moments later to the NXT Breakout Tournament winner, uh, Carmelo Hayes, who cashed in his contract, which we didn't know that he could do, but they did it on purpose. They apparently downplayed it on purpose, so it came off as more of a surprise, which it did. I think we all expected Swerve to beat San- or to uh, lose to Santos, and he did not. He beat him. Carmelo Hayes instead is the new NXT North American champion. I love this entire final part of the show. I'm not a big NXT 2.0 fan so far, but I thought this entire final 20 minutes of the show was great. Uh, Swerve and Santos, great match. They've always worked well together, whether it be for the Cruiserweight Championship, North American Championship, and Lucha Underground. They've always had great chemistry. This was good stuff. Isaiah winning, no one saw coming. It felt very predictable that he would lose, and he won. And the way they booked this with Carmelo kind of helping him only to turn on Isaiah because the rest of uh, Hit Row was gone. They got kidnapped. I, I think that's it for them in NXT, obviously. Carmelo Hayes won the breakout tournament. There was no reason for him to win the NXT championship at this point. And um, not only that, but he feels ready to me. I've always been a big fan of his. I've known him for five years now. He's a, he's a star. So I thought this was perfect. We got a new NXT North American champion within seven months, eight or nine months of him arriving in WWE, or even four months and it was NXT run. He's already the North American champion. So uh, Mr. Marceau, I know you're a Carmelo Hayes fan as well. So talk to him about this. Did you enjoy it as much as I did? Yeah, I thought this was a great match. I was shocked as hell that Swerve won. I figured it, uh, Escobar would win it here since Hero got called up. But definitely a nice Swerve. Um, great for Hayes. I think he's a star and not a big fan of Trick. But I guess we'll see if he grows on me a little yeah. bit. But no, I thought this was good. I thought the show like, you know, as a whole was good. Um, I feel like we glossed over Toxic Attraction a little bit. I think they've like been one of the highlights of NXT 2.0 mm-hmm. with Mandy, Nolan, and... Uh, can't think of the other girl's name on the top of my head. JC Jane. Yep, yep, yep. 
that up. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> hey, the vault opens sometimes with the names. I don't know how that one came out. But, no, I think I think Hayes is a good up-and-coming star. I mean, I think they play the chips right with him. I think he can be a, a, a great wrestler for them and someone who they can hopefully not fuck up on the main roster when eventually he makes it there. But, no, I thought it was a show as a whole was good, and him winning was definitely surprising and needed to happen. And maybe give NXT more of a surprise feel and more much watch, but thought the ending was probably the best part of the whole show. Yeah, it was a great way to close off the evening, and uh, I'm curious, because we got Halloween Havoc in two weeks. Can they maintain this momentum, continue to do cool stuff? That is the question. Um, I don't know. I'm not overly loving NXT 2.0. we got a lot of cool people coming in and some people that aren't as good. Uh, a quick question for you. We'll talk about it next week in our official predictions for the show. Would you put the NXT Championship on Braun Breaker in two weeks? Yes. You would. I Honestly, I don't have a problem with that. I think you can make the argument, oh, it's too soon, but, I mean, the show is all about the new people, so why the fuck not, I ask you. Um, as we as we wind down here, let's talk about Crown Jewel real quick. Next Thursday on Peacock, it's going to be airing, I believe, at noon. I thought it was 1, but they advertised it as noon Eastern time next Thursday. Uh, very likely, you and I will speak after the fact and break down the good, the bad, and the Hopefully not very ugly from the pay-per-view, although it is a Saudi show, so I'm going to brace myself because we have yet to get a truly good show um, out of Saudi Arabia. Some are more bearable than others. The Crown Jewel 2018 show was fucking terrible. Um, The last one they had over there was not great, but it was better than the other ones. Um, Hopefully with the card they have on tap for this show, I hope it's at least passable. I will say that much. So let's start from the bottom and work our way up, Mr. Marcel. Mansoor versus Mustafa Ali. They announced it on Raw, or rather on Raw Talk this past week. Uh, Mansoor's obligatory match in Saudi Arabia. I like both of these guys. At least there's a reason for them to be fighting on the show. It's not Mansoor versus Cesaro for any random reason, or Dolph again for whatever random reason. This at least makes sense. Um, But he is undefeated over there. I feel like he's got to win, and this is a win for Mansoor. Oh, yeah. I I think this easily Mansoor's going to win here. Like you said, I do like how it is. I think there's a reason behind it. There's at least a story there. Not like you said, like this random match against Dolph or Cesaro that he's had so far. So, makes sense. Should be a decent match. I think Mansoor wins there. RK Bro, Randy Orton, Riddle defending the Raw Tag Team titles against AJ Styles and Omos. And a rematch that has been months in the making. Their initial encounter at SummerSlam was good, albeit a bit short. Um, that was two months ago. This rivalry ran its course a while ago. So, can we please put the belts... Uh, keep the belts rather on RK Pro and just move on because I am so done with this feud. Yeah, I can I couldn't be more over it than than I am with this feud. It, it, it was nice at the beginning. It's run its course at this point. RK Pro needs a win. They were talking that they're going to break up AJ and Omos. I mean, I wouldn't do that. I would mm-hmm. just have AJ as a single and push him. I mean, he's old, so push him. At, push AJ the way he should be. Have him with Omos, but get him out of the tag team division. It's awful. Yeah, no, I feel like they have enough tag teams coming over from SmackDown where they don't need those two in the tag team division right now. Uh, maybe they can have one final feud with, I don't know, some other team in the division and then move on because it's maybe the Profits or something. They can lose to them and then move on. They don't have to break them up necessarily, but like you said, go back to what they were doing originally with Omos serving as his bodyguard because age has got to go back to being on his own. Omos is not ready to be on his own anyway, so um, something to keep an eye out for. Uh, Queen's Crown Tournament Finals, the winner of Zelina and Carmella versus the winner of Shayna or Dewdrop. Listen, this is WWE. Anything can change. Um, I could see Dewdrop going to the finals just because, hey, if it's Zelina or Carmella, it's heel versus heel. Assuming Shayna's still a heel. Um, that is the problem with this. So I'm going to say Shayna wins against Dewdrop and then she wins the whole thing. 
but knowing how WWE does shit, I could easily see Dewdrop winning and then Carmella beating Dewdrop because Carmella wins all the accolades. I don't think Zelina is winning on Friday. I think it's going to be Carmella against Shayna, and Shayna wins, but I am a little fearful they might have Dewdrop go all the way before losing to Carmella. It's going to be Carmella versus Dewdrop, and Carmella is going to beat her. You're convinced that Shane is losing? Yeah, I'm convinced she'll lose. So what's going to happen? She'll lose. She'll hurt Dewdrop after the fact. So Dewdrop will go into the match with like the hurt elbow or whatever the fucking stupidness, and or they'll just give it to Carmella. I can so see them like saying she's unable to compete, and Carmella just wins by default. Carmella's going to win. I, I, I'm convinced she's going to win. So there'll yeah. be some kind of WWE screwy thing, but Carmella's definitely winning. They love doing the goofy, you know, crown and the scepter bullshit. That goes for with her. She that's yeah. what she needs. It's gonna be her. It's gonna be the Corbin shit from twenty nineteen all over again, where they give her the goofy crown, they call her Queen Carmella, the most beautiful woman in the company, according to her, all this other shit. I mean, you're probably right. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Shane, I'm gonna stick to my guns here, although I know I'm probably wrong. Um, I she feel like it's, you know, you're right though. I feel like Shane is going to lose. She'll attack you drop afterward. Uh, maybe it's by count out or something or DQ. And then that little out with the injury causes Carmella to win. And, uh, I don't want to see, I like Carmella and her character, but I think this is uh Shana's time to shine, which is why exactly why she's not going to win. So it's going to be Sammy or Finn Balor versus Ginger or Xavier in the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. Uh, we kind of already established this. I think Finn's going to win the whole thing, but I would love Xavier Woods to win the whole thing and make it all the way. But I think Jinder beats Xavier, Finn beats Sammy, and then Finn beats uh, Jinder in the finals. Yeah, I completely agree. The, the Prince needs his crown. Yep. Um, makes sense. He's over. Get the stench He's out of the Extreme Rules bullshit. Oh, I mean, I don't think he'll get away from that, but you got to at least you got to at least polish the turret a little bit. So I'd give him a crown. I don't want Jinder winning it. It would be absolutely abysmal. King Jinder. Honestly, it'd be like Corbin all over again, and I'd rather puke. Worse, worse. I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't don't. Yeah. I, I'm 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 willing to hinder the gender because I think gender gender mall is just abysmal. Corbin, at least, I mean, I think he's entertaining. He ran that shit into the ground. I think he can have some quality matches. Gender, I have never seen an above average match in the ten years he's been with this company. So, I'm sorry, I just don't give a fuck. But I think Finn will win the entire thing, like you said. Uh, let's see, Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley. We found out on Raw it's going to be a no-holds-barred match. It might as well be a death match because they keep talking about killing each other, like legitimately murdering each other. And if we don't get that in Saudi, there's going to be a lot of, you know, uh, thirsty, uh, death-thirsty, whatever you want to call it, sick people that are very disappointed coming out of uh, bloodthirst. That's the word I'm looking for. Very disappointed, bloodthirsty people coming out of Crown Jewel. Despite that, though, I think Goldberg's winning. He lost at SummerSlam. I hate that Bobby's losing a lot, but... They're just setting him up to lose here. Goldberg hasn't won a match in fucking two years. I think since... Actually, you know, the last time he won a match was in Saudi Arabia when he beat Bray Wyatt for the championship. So he's going to... Did he beat Taker in Saudi? No, he lost to Taker in Saudi. No, wait. Yeah, he lost. He lost. He lost. I was going to say he's undefeated in Saudi, but he's not. Um, I feel like he's beating Bobby here. No doubt about it. Another loss for Bobby, but they got to rebuild Goldberg, right? So anyway, I think he's winning here. Yeah, Goldberg's winning here. I mean, that's a guarantee. Unfortunately, I love Bobby. I mean, I don't think you should be losing to Goldberg, but it is what it is. Uh, hopefully, it's a decent match. I guess that's all you can hope for, but Goldberg's definitely winning. Yeah, Goldberg is 100% winning. I hate to say that, but it's just the truth. Biggie versus Drew McIntyre, WWE Championship. Biggie's winning, LOL. I mean, there's no, literally, there's no drama here at all. Drew's on SmackDown. He's not winning this match. Um, I, you know, I, I appreciate the attempt they've 
put into building this matchup. And I'm looking forward to the match. I think it's a big win for Biggie. I like that. But there is no, like, literally sub zero uncertainty surrounding the outcome of this match. Oh, yeah. Uh, Drew's not winning. I mean, I like I liked the attempt, like you said. It should be a good match. Definitely something new. But, I mean, there's no chance Drew loses. Yeah, this. Or Drew wins. Drew yeah, wins. Yeah, no, no, Drew yeah, new question. Uh, no doubt that Drew's losing here. Uh, we get to the top two matches. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks for the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship triple threat match. This one is interesting. You could also say, oh, Sasha's winning. She's the only one on SmackDown. Charlotte has yet to lose the Raw Women's Championship, and she's on SmackDown. So I could see a scenario where Bianca or Becky win, and they swap the titles. I fucking hate that I'm even saying that because I think it's lazy, lazy, lazy. But I think that's what they're going to do. Um, I don't think it's time for Bianca to win the belt back yet. I think she should be in chase mode a little bit longer. Maybe Becky pins Sasha. Um, I think Becky's going to win, dude. I don't think it's time for Becky to have... I mean, she has held a championship every active day she's been in this company since WrestleMania 35. I would not end that momentum by having her lose in Saudi Arabia, of all places. So I'm thinking Becky wins here, and they just do a title swap. I agree. I mean, I think it's... I wouldn't hate if Sasha won, but like, I also don't think Becky should lose. But like I said, you could always have her... Not technically, not lose. Bianca gets pinned, and then I don't know. You got Becky beat Charlotte. I don't fucking know. But realistically, I would just keep the belt on her. And I don't know. The title swap's so dumb. But if that's the way you got to do it, it's the way you got to do it. Yeah, I don't really know how else they get around it unless they. Uh, but it's lazy, shitty booking. It's so fucking lazy. That's why I hate the brand specific titles. Just get rid of that shit altogether and get more unique looking championships so they're not all the same fucking title, just a different color. Uh, main event, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Universal Championship. We saw the rumors this feud will likely extend past the pay-per-view. I think we all kind of figured that. Probably into the Rumble or WrestleMania. There's no one obvious opponent for Roman at WrestleMania, so maybe that's where they do it. Um, I heard The Rock isn't going to be available, I guess, until the year following. Maybe, maybe. Um, I think Roman wins here, dude, but I think it's going to be a shitty finish. I feel like it's going to be some sort of disputed, no contest, and... I don't want Roman to lose anyway, so I, I hate that I'm even like, oh, I'll be excited if it's a DQ or something, but I feel like it has to be. I don't know if Brock should be losing at this point, and I think a not, no contest would be the best way to protect Roman, protect Brock, and keep the belt on Roman, so that's what I see going down here. What say you? Oh, it's definitely going to be some kind of dusty finish. I mean, Dusty finish, e- there you go, yep. Easily going to happen. For the love of God, I don't want Roman to win the or not. I don't want Brock winning. Brock winning would... I like Brock, but it would legitimately piss me off. He need, does not need the title, for the love of God, no. So I would have some kind of screwy finish and have have uh, Roman retain. But if it's and I just no, no, no to Brock. Brock does not need the belt. Just keep the belt on him until WrestleMania. At this point, I feel like to have him lose again after 400 days in fucking Saudi Arabia. It's like, come on, man. No thanks. I mean, they've done some dumb stuff there. The Fiend lost there. I wouldn't be shocked. But I would still be disappointed. And I think Roman has enough creative control where he will disallow that to happen. Maybe they have Brock win and Roman gets the belt back. But he's been on such a long reign to have him lose after all this time to Brock of all people. Even if it is like inadvertent interference from Paul Heyman, which I feel like would be the case if he was to win. I'm not sold on that. I would rather see someone really benefit. Someone who could really benefit be the one to beat Roman. Whether that be a priest or someone else. I think Drew's a better option than Brock. And I like Brock, but... It's not the place, and it's not the time to do it, or the right person. So uh, hopefully this is a Roman Reigns win, but 
As with a lot of the other matches on the show, I'm not 100% confident about that. WWE's incompetence regarding to the booking and regards to the booking actually plays in their favor and making matches more unpredictable. So it actually does work out in their favor sometimes, as it will with this show. But we'll talk about it next Thursday right here on WrestleRant Radio, Mr. Marceau. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podbean, Google Podcast, and Podbean as well. Uh, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. We're going to be breaking down, very likely, Crown Jewel after it airs next Thursday on Peacock in the middle of the day. And we'll have the, like I said, the good, the bad, and hopefully not very ugly, which we'll bound to get. I mean, let's let's face it. We're bound to get some stupid booking decision in Saudi next Thursday. So um, I look forward to that, if nothing else. But Mr. Marceau, any parting thoughts as we ride off into the sunset here? Got nothing for you, Jason. Any football games that you would recommend on TV this weekend? Who are the Chiefs playing? Um, I can tell you right now because I'm looking at my playbook, not Google. Um, let's see here. Who are the Chiefs playing? Let me check my playbook here on October 17th. It sounds like you're typing on a computer. Uh, no, no, no. That's, that might be Graham GSM Matthews. I mean, or Graham Armina. I'm Graham GSM Matthews. Uh, Chiefs versus Washington. Uh, the Washington football team, not the Redskins. I can't call them that. <laughs> what do you got? Who do you got going over? I don't like the fact that Washington doesn't have a name, so obviously I'm a big Chiefs fan. I'm going with Chiefs. They got to bounce back from the loss. They can't book them to lose two times in a row. They got to beat. If they if they can't beat Washington, they might as well just leave the leave the league. I mean, I could see Bills Mafia winning, but not Washington. Okay, we'll see. I'll I'll keep you updated on the Gruden updates too. I mean, I I was the one that told you all about it because you weren't sure about it before I told you. Sounds good. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon, Mr. Marceau. Have a great one. I'll catch you guys down the road. Later.